Hello uh, and welcome back to Hot Metal Breakfast from the Football Battle. Um, day two now. Um, we will be getting into the first um, first real day of three game days, uh, which is great. Um, today we are going to be looking back. Sorry, um, Steve is with me. Steve, how you doing? I'm good. Sorry, I was trying to shut the dog up there, but I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. And Paddy, Paddy, how you doing? Well, chaps, good evening. Yes, um, three of us uh, this morning. Um, we're going to be looking back at Turkey against Italy and then looking forward to Wales, Switzerland, um, which is the other game in Group A, um, Denmark, Finland, and Belgium, Russia. Um, so a lot to get into. So we will start, I think, with uh, the game last night, um, which was built, I think it was... <laughs> I was going to say built up um, by people, probably by us um, on our on our preview pod, um, as maybe going to be a tighter game than it ended up being. Um, Steve, I think, and you were maybe guilty of talking Turkey up a bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm dragging you in with me here, um, but I mean, Italy really really dominated, didn't they? They did. Um, it was a. a f- a frustrating game in the first half because obviously Tur- Turkey were going with the low block and Italy were really struggling to find kind of any way through. And while they dominated possession, they absolutely didn't really create much in the way of chances. And you could tell by like the, the frequent handball shouts that they were, they thought that that might be their only way through. But I think it was just sheer force of will, uh, in the second half that they kind of, they, they broke the, the, the dam. And, and as soon as they scored the first one, it did feel a bit like this could be any score because Turkey didn't know what to do. They had set up for a nil-nil draw. They have obviously decided that this was going to be a draw and they were going to get four points in the other, the other two games and they were going to qualify that way. And now it's all gone to, it's it's all gone to pot for them. Um, I was really disappointed with them because, like again, they're not the first team we've ever seen who breeze through qualification and then like half and turn up in a, in a tournament. But I think yeah, I, I I thought they were just really poor and it all started every single problem they had stemmed from their goalkeeper and his inability to to find a teammate with a goal kick or a clearance. Like I don't know, I I counted in the first half there were four times a goal kick from Turkey ended up in the hands of the Italian goalkeeper if someone did that at under 12s you'd pull them a half time you know it was really really yeah. amateur stuff and just just disappointing from Turkey but if you were good I think people would you know I sent a joke tweet tonight saying it's easy to over or last night to say it's easy to overreact to um Two opening games and, you know, but Italy are, are Brazil 1970 and Turkey are the worst team we've ever seen in international football. Uh, <laughs> people, people will build Italy up from that performance. And I think you should probably read more into Turkey than Italy in, in, in that performance because I thought Italy were guilty of missing, um, quite a few chances actually, because that, that game should have been four or five, even six. Uh, with the amount of chances they created. So while Italy were grand, I think, yeah, people will probably overplay the, the importance of that result. Paddy, what what do you think? Like, obviously, looking at the stats, I mean, Italy 24 shots, hit on target, they dominated possession. Um, Turkey hardly got a sniff. Do you think we learned anything about Italy? Or, you know, do, do you fancy them to go far now, having seen them? 
it's hard. It's very hard to tell. Like for, from from that game alone, I think Turkey set up for a draw, really, and I think you'll you'll maybe see a lot of that in in, in the Euros with with third place teams going through. There'll be probably, you know, an onus on a bit of defensive play from some of the the lesser lights, just because because realistically, you know, if you get a draw and a win, you're nearly certainly going to be in the in the last sixteen. So if they'd managed to sneak a draw there and manage to beat Wales, for example, they're through. Uh, and I think that was maybe part of their thinking. Turkey offered nothing. Yilmaz was so isolated and we touched on in the in the previous pause about, you know, what a fantastic season they'd had guiding Lille to to win Liga. But he he really was on playing a lone furrow up there. Um as as Steve mentioned, there was some absolutely suicidal stuff from Turkey, like playing out from the back, their keeper in particular, just inviting Italy on. Um I think it, it ended up being a pretty routine win for Italy, and and as you guys say, it could have been it could have been so many more. So I wouldn't read too much into it. Uh, you know, Italy being at home and a very small sample size, I wonder if this is a an early indication that home advantage, you know, might 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 play a bit of a part. And um, you know, for there only being less than twenty thousand people in, there definitely there definitely was an atmosphere. You could feel it through the TV. Um, and as we'd mentioned in our wee, um sort of WhatsApp group, I, I thought the the opening bit was quite tasteful. Hope Bocelli and all like it was proper hers on the the back of the neck stuff. So I think it was a lovely way to to ease us all into to to a new tournament. And uh, you know I hope it's I hope it's a sign of things to come. I, I remember last time seeing Bocelli, you know, whenever Leicester won the league, and Bocelli was singing, and it was like it was quite romantic. But it was like Leicester fans singing, "We are the champions" over him, and Ranieri was trying to get them all to shut up. <laughs> but like it was just something about yeah. that sort of like orchestral feeling of, of it was in Rome and everything and, and clearly he was respected and uh, it was just it was just such a nice way to to, to do it like and and uh, he had a pretty dashing suit on as did Mr Mancini although Mr Mancini I don't know if you've noticed he didn't he didn't wear a belt and I think a man who doesn't wear a belt with suit trousers I think he really needs to have a good good hard look at himself. <laughs> question marks over that fella yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah I, I i agree with you um about the the opening ceremony i think it uh it sounds a lot better in the stadio olympico than it does in the king bar <laughs> um yeah, it's just suited a bit more to it um but um one more on this uh steve do you think do you think that one thing I noticed from that game, um, and there was a few that stood out. Um, I, I thought I actually thought Tran not to be best, but I thought Jorginho was quite good. Uh, I thought he he probably wasn't challenged an awful lot, and he had a bit of an easy game. But I thought he um, he did well in midfield. And unfortunately for us, I think we'll have to mention that Spinazzola on um, on the left hand side for Italy was uh, good. But and that's all I'll say. If you're getting no more, um, but Apart from that, there was nobody, especially in the attacking third, that really looked like if they were playing someone better, for example, that they were going to light it up, that they were going to take maybe the one or two chances that came along. Yeah, we flagged that in our preview pod for for the game, didn't we? That like Italy tend to score a lot of goals, but it tends to not be from any one source. It tends to be... You know, they need to create a lot of chances for, 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 for goals to go in. I thought in, in, in senior, 
particular wasted. He was friendly. That's total Scalacci, uh, move in the game. Like, like he just kept trying to score the exact same goal the whole way through the game. Like it was really weird. He eventually got it. He did eventually. Yeah, he eventually got there. Like, but like, I mean, it's one of those cases that you need seven chances to score. Yeah, and my issue would be, I think, against a a better organized team and a team that offered more in attack. I think Italy will. They won't like like. 25 chances Italy created and they only scored three. Like that's a really poor return. Um, so I think that like, obviously it's not a cause for worry, but I do think it should be in the back of people's heads when they suddenly pro- proclaim, Oh, we should have been talking about Italy all along. Um, I do think it's just really easy to overreact to one game. And, and because we know that three teams can get out of, you know, groups, it, it's not the worst result in the world for Turkey either. They 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 need probably four. They well they do need four points from the remaining two games. But I think, you know, if they can go back to their form we saw in qualifying, um, we would we would see that. But there's a there's a bang of Ireland 2012 off that Turkey team. Even just the way they were set up, like I just got like horrible PTSD of Giovanni Trapani. <laughs> Um, I really, really did. So I, it, you know, I, I'd be worried if I was a Turkish man. Never, never a good thing that um, Trabatoni PTSD. Um, <laughs> the, the one, uh, one t- to move on um, to Saturday's games. Um, one team, well, two teams probably who will be looking at that Turkey team last night and maybe looking their laps a bit. Um, are the other two teams in Group A? Um, which is Wales against Switzerland, which is two o'clock today. Um, the, surely, Paddy, you know both of those teams now uh, will be looking at that and thinking, you know, Italy look decent, um, but surely if they win this game, uh, they're definitely onto something in this group and and can get through in second place. Yeah, like I'm sure they would have taken a lot of comfort for that. I'm sure for the likes of, for both Wales and Switzerland, they'll just hope that Italy can maybe run away with the group and, and leave leave a couple of places open. Um, I think Wales are a lot weaker than they were five years ago. Uh, I think Bale was probably at his peak in 2016, um, and I think like even Ramsey would have been at his peak as well. But there's actually only six of, six of that squad that has carried on to to the current Welsh squad. So it's a very young team, with the exception of the likes of. Bale and Ramsey and, and Hennessy. So um I I don't necessarily think Wales are, are that are that strong, but um nor do I think Switzerland are world beaters either. So it will be an interesting game. Like I've seen Switzerland play Northern Ireland a few times lately and, and haven't been overly Im- impressed by them. They're they're not exactly like a, a flowing attacking team and you know, a lot of the attacking impetus is put on Jordan Shakiri, who has basically done nothing for two years. Um at Liverpool, so I don't know. I, I, I think I think it, it mightn't be a it mightn't be an overly scintillating game, but um, I think as you say, both will take encouragement from how absolute dog shit Turkey were. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's probably a good way to put it. Um, Steve, do you think Wales obviously they seem to have uh, drawn the short straw with this whole? Um, cross-continental tournament style. Um, they're obviously playing Switzerland in Azerbaijan um, and Turkey, I think, as well, before playing Italy back at the Stadio Olympico. Mm. Um, 
certainly for the I think, I think it was mentioned in in commentary in the um, Italy Turkey game um, for the for the Turkey Wales game um, that it'll basically be a home game that for for Turkey yeah. um, and obviously that's um, that's Wales' next game um, but do you think that's much of a disadvantage for them obviously it was you know their their fans in France were were a big deal for them yeah I I I think European football because we the Europa League the way it's expanded and and the different teams we now see qualifying from Champions League I think footballers probably have gotten used to those like really big journeys but like Baku is still half the world away um and to to kind of set up base there for European championships and then have to turn turn back to the Stadio Olimpico it's it it is a bit of an effort um i do think i think wales i think paddy made a really really good point there like even the guys who are still there from the from the last time like they're well past their peak um Garrett Bale is a bit part player um and and I don't think enough is being made of of what's happening in the background. And obviously, like we have to be careful because there's court cases and things like that. But like that is not ideal preparation for a tournament. To put it bluntly, to have your manager not available for the reasons that Ryan Giggs is not available. Um, and something that really surprised me when I was when I was doing my research for 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 t- today's pod was Switzerland are ranked 13th in the world, which a probably tells you that like maybe Switzerland are better than people give them credit for, but also it could tell you that world rankings are absolutely meaningless. Um mm. but you know they've had a decent run of results. They've they they won six games in a row and then the the, the game before that they drew one one with Spain. So like they're a team that are decent but like I, I have seen Switzerland quali- qualify for tournament after tournament and then go out with the group stage or at best the last thirty two or the last sixteen. Um, and I think you can probably expect, I think, I think they'll probably look at, I think they will relish tonight's results more than Wales, because I think Wales then have to sit, play Turkey and they, you know, there might be a, a, a bit of bite back on that. Um, whereas Switzerland will probably look at that and go, right, we have to go for, for this game against Wales because this is our chance to get three of the four points we need to qualify from this group. Um, and the, whereas Wales might be, a little bit more conservative maybe in their approach to it but I do think that it should I don't think it'll be a great game but then I thought that last night's game was going to be amazing I thought it was going to be one of the you know iconic opening tournament uh, games and it wasn't so I think yeah I think Switzerland probably to win um, and I think Wales are probably this feels like a tournament that they did well to qualify for but I don't think the expectations can be too high at all Hmm. It's interesting that you, you uh, and that, that's a very good point about you know the manager um, situation because certainly in mainstream media you know it, it is mentioned yes but it's it's not focused on as a you know a thing that could possibly upset the squad or anything um, you know uh, they're they're <laughs> really just keeping keeping the whole Ryan Giggs thing quiet um, as you would um, if you were the Wales camp you'd be happy with that. Um, Paddy, one one more thing um on on wheels um is the question about how they're gonna set up and I suppose that's it's kind of Steve's touched on it a wee bit about you know how how they'll approach the game um you know if they'll if, if there's maybe more pressure on wheels to to win this one because they're expecting a reaction from Turkey. Um can you see obviously 
he's played about with playing a um a false nine or a number nine and Kiefer Moore is is a number nine of number nines. Um do you think they'll maybe stick with a false nine? Obviously in the, in a couple of friendlies they've they've played a false nine recently. It hasn't looked great. Um or do you think they'll they'll go with sort of the big man through the middle? Yeah, it's it's hard to know. Anytime I've seen Kiefer Moore I actually really like him and he, he sort of plays above his level. Like he was at Wigan and I think he's now in Cardiff but like He's something that that maybe is classic Wales. Like even if you think of Wales five years ago, with you know having like Sam Brooks up front or Robson Cano, that they had a physical presence up front, um, and I think that that helps them because they're, um, you know, if they if they play sort of wing backs or whatever, and then try and get the ball in the box, I think that will be a a useful sort of outlet for them or a potential scoring chance. Um, just be interesting to see what. If, if they'll maybe try and accommodate Bale by moving him centrally because he maybe doesn't quite have the legs he had and that might see Kiefer Moore sacrificed. I'm not sure. Like, there, there's talent. There is talent in the four positions, as we said, not at their prime, but like Dan James is a threat wide and, and could whip balls in for the likes of Kiefer Moore. And like Ramsey's a, a lovely footballer as well. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. If, if, I, if, if I was picking a team, I, I quite like Kiefer Moore. I wish he. I'd happily have him in Northern Ireland. Like he sort of would be a perfect player for for for, for us. But um, uh, and a lot of Welsh fans that I'd see on 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 uh, Twitter and stuff seem to to really fancy him as well. So it might be a useful avenue to explore for them. Yeah, um, I think you're right. He'd be great going through the middle for Northern Ireland. That's ex- exactly what what that team is missing, because um, they seem to have all the other parts in around it. Um, but yeah, that'll be. Um, That'll be Group A then. Um, we'll see if any of those two teams can take advantage um, in basically the race for second place, as it looks like it's going to be in that group. Um, then next game we have is, I mean, uh, I don't think it's a classic for the ages. I don't think we're going to um, spend an awful lot of time on it because we have a lot of stuff to get through. Um, but the first game in Group B is Denmark against Finland. Um yeah, I mean, there's. Um, I don't know an awful lot about Finland. I don't know if any of you do, Steve. You're, you're maybe the most likely. Um, but <laughs> it, it, you know, Denmark. We can obviously um, recognise quite a few players out of out of the Denmark squad, and surely they should get a result here, shouldn't they? Oh, they absolutely should. I think Finland go into this game as the team with possibly the best jersey in the tournament, but they are absolutely the worst team in the tournament. Um, there's no doubt, and like. You do not want to come into a tournament with, I think it's four losses and two draws in their last six games. Um, it doesn't exactly tell you uh, that this is a team in form at all. Um, I, I, I think, I think the the local element will probably be overplayed a bit. Of like you know, this is you know a Scandinavian derby and stuff like that. Like Denmark are a very good team. They're very good at qualifying for tournaments. They don't necessarily do that well when they actually, you know, get there. But, you know, obviously they won 92, but that's kind of the aberration for Denmark. But I think they're by far, um, I think they're by far the strongest team here. And, you know, we, we talk a bit about, you know, maybe Belgium being a team that could underperform in this tournament. Denmark get a good result here and, you know, put two or three goals on Finland. 
they'll probably fancy themselves to maybe top that group and obviously that puts you in a much stronger position when it comes to the knockout stages as well. So um like the the Irish football fan in me, you know, just like shivers at the sight of a Danish jersey because I've seen it so often over the past decade. Um yeah. but like I think they're I think they're just a class above Finland here. It should be a relatively comfortable win. Yeah, uh, and that's probably what what Denmark will be looking at. I mean, it's it's really a a game that they need to win if they, as you say, if they want to kind of challenge Belgium for for the top of that group. Because I suppose they'd be maybe looking at Russia as well as they'd be in around the same level. Um, Belgium would be expected, obviously, to top the group. Paddy, you know, Finland really a bit like. It looks a bit like Turkey kind of relied on Yilmaz, even though he, you know, he was kind of isolated, as we said earlier. Um, they'll, they'll just be relying on Timu Pugi to try and pull something and, and, um, sit back and, and rest on that, shouldn't it? It, it? it seems, seems to be their, their sort of national hero. Um, and, you know, other than him, I've got to confess, uh, like I'd I'd watch a little bit of Scottish football whilst not caring about it. And Glenn Kamara is a very good midfield player. Like I think he could easily play in in, in a team in the Premier League. But um, other than that, you know, they look like a fairly limited squad. Whereas you look at the Danish squad, the players playing at some of the top European clubs, um, and I, I think I think it should be a walk in the park. Although interestingly, like Eriksson, obviously fantastic player. He's scored like sort of one in three uh for for Denmark. Other than him there's no one who, who who's in double figures in terms of international goals. So um there's no one really prolific there. Um so it's maybe hard to see where they're gonna score many. Maybe they will against Finland, but I don't think we'll be a, a sort of free scoring force. Um but I think they're a very, very solid side and I'd be very surprised if they didn't qualify out of that group. Yeah, I, th- I think and um Steve right as well. Anytime they've come up against the Republic of Ireland um, recently, they they just seem to have something over on them. Um, the, without being particularly impressive, um, I always find. But um, any, I mean, that is a crucial game for Denmark because basically, if they don't win it, um, they would have to take points off Belgium and Russia at some point, and. Um, then we'll 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 see how how good Belgium come out of the blocks, um. But we'll probably move on to that game now, um, because we know now De Bruyne is going to be out injured for Belgium, which um certainly in this game is um quite a big thing, and it's probably Russia's chance, Steve, to to do something against them. Uh, you know, the other thing that's been talked about in the in the lead up to this game about Belgium is probably their their slow backline. Yeah, I think this is this is an interesting one because it throws up uh, two teams that obviously met in qualifying for the tournament as well, and Belgium finished that qualifying period with a perfect record, and Russia's only two the only drop points were against Belgium, and I think Belgium like completely outclassed them in in both the games. Was it three nil and four one? I think um, they were pretty. Um, Pretty comprehensive defeats anyway that Russia suffered. To, sorry, three one and 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 four one. Um, I think De Bruyne is a massive miss, and I think not knowing what sort of Eden Hazard is going to turn up as well. 
Like, are we going to get the guy that's 10 kilos overweight, or are we going to get the guy that scored four? No, well, like, genuinely, we don't know, like, because this is a player that scored four goals in two appearances against Russia in, in qualifying. So he clearly has, you know, they're clearly a team he likes playing. Um, but I think this is a fascinating game because I do think Russia are probably one of those teams that because we don't necessarily pick out individual players, they're just a machine. Like they just get results after results when they need them. But in in Romelu Lukaku as well, they're coming up against probably the most informed striker, European striker in, in you know playing in Europe at the moment. And again, like that would kind of edge a tour, even with De Bruyne missing. And I know not everyone on this podcast is a big fan of Kevin De Bruyne. But <laughs> it's, it who is, could you uh, possibly be talking about? I don't know who I could be mentioning there, but um, like I do think the squad, the Belgian squad, while not maybe as good as it was five years ago, when I think an awful lot of people thought that they could possibly win it, I still think it's a very, very, very good team. Um, and I think this is going to be like this is this is this is this game for me is absolutely deciding who the group winner is. So you can't really be cautious in your approach to it. And, and like we saw tonight, what happened with Turkey when they tried to play for a draw in a game like that, it can backfire really quickly and really dramatically. So I think what we'll see is Russia, Russia maybe holding a little bit back to see what what way Belgium take kind of shape without De Bruyne. Uh, but I think there are more than enough players in that in that Belgian squad to kind of to to make up for his absence as good and all as he is. Yeah, uh, and you're you're probably right about you know this is deciding who's going to top the group. And I know it's that they're both of the team's first game in the group. Um, but it's probably their most important, uh, especially Paddy, when you look at you know whoever tops this group is going to play a third place team in. I think it's Group A, D, E, or F. Um, whoever tops Group B um, is going to get a third place team. So you know, surely that uh, is a reason to go out and attack this game. Um, probably more so for Belgium. Um, you know, as Steve said, missing De Bruyne. Um, you think they'll they'll set up quite attacking and um, they'll try and get as much ball to Lukaku as possible. Yeah, like as you say, I think that's a a really a really good point. That's that's a serious carrot to whoever can can win this group. And although we said in the preview pod, and Steve mentioned there, I don't think Belgium are are half as good as they are. But I think they should really command this group anyway. Um, you know, e- even without De Bruyne, I had fancy to, to to beat Russia. Like I think I think Russia sort of rode the crest of a wave with a home tournament of the World Cup three years ago, and and to put in some some impressive performances, but. I uh, I just uh, personally can't see them doing too much here. I just think Belgium will be will 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 comfortably comfortably sort of take control of the game and and um, even without De Bruyne and even with whatever shape Hazard's in, um, I, I think they'll be grand. Like as I said, Lukaku's just been in freakish form, um, uh, and they've got so much so much quality around the park. I, I think. Uh, Obviously, you've watched Hazard at closer quarters than than either of us have. Like, I actually think it's really sad, you know, because I, you know, I really loved watching Hazard for for quite a few years, and I thought he was just marvelous. Like, turn on a sixpence, and you never knew what he was going to do. I just, I just thought he was amazing. Like, and um, 
I think just what's happened since he's gone to Real. Like I know he's had a number of injuries and fitness issues and stuff, but it must be gotten for you to see. I'm sure you, you know, um, developed a serious fondness for him when he was at the bridge. But um, you know, I just hope he can can rekindle or recapture some of that form because on his day, like he he's incredible. Yeah. Um. Oh, you're right. Like I, I think it's been um. It's been uh, we haven't really got to see a lot of him actually because he's been injured so much, um, and you know we can't really watch La Liga over here anyway. Um, but yeah, it's it's been horrible to see him plagued by such injury and just have a difficult time at Real Madrid. Um, but you know this this could be. I know he's he's coming into the tournament kind of injury plagued, and uh, you know he only played. Was ten minutes um, in one of the friendlies for Belgium, um, and the the big question is going to be around him now because we know that De Bruyne isn't fit, um, so they're going to be relying on him, and he's a captain and et cetera, et cetera. But you know, it's maybe something that if he does have a good tournament and Belgium do go far, you know, that could boost him uh, then for for going into another season with Real Madrid because, I mean, there was talk that um, he he was maybe on, on the list to come back to Chelsea, but um, I think that's that's already been um, cut short. I would take him back in a heartbeat, like, obviously, just for the just for the feels. Um, but, yeah, I think he, he said he wants to stay on at Real Madrid and, and really try. And, um, you know, that was... He always talked about that being his dream. Um, so... Yeah, this is probably the the perfect opportunity for him to to maybe push on, and if he leads his country to you know say if they win it, you know, um, it could be something that really pushes his club career on as long as he stays injury free. Um, so yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully he can do something. And you're right about Lukaku as well. You know, if if two or three of those Belgians perform to the level that we know they can perform, they can they can really go far. I mean, that's. It's probably an an easy-ish route. It's one of the easier routes, especially when you look at Group F. What you could be facing, um, you have, you know, Belgium are the number one ranked team in the world, and they could get to the quarterfinals. They're quite handy um, mm. on paper. Um, I know it's never really that handy. Yeah. Um, I think the point you made at the start, though, Brent, about the the Belgian backline and how slow they are. Like the average age is like thirty-one, maybe thirty-two. Mm. Like that is there to get at. Um, unfortunately for Russia, that like their number, their main striker is it the Zubia? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. lump. Yeah, nine goals in qualifying, but he's thirty-two. Like, and he's not exactly a speed merchant <laughs> either, you know. So I don't know if Russia is the team to exploit that, but I think that's ultimately what comes back to cost Belgium later in the tournament as well. Yeah. Um. So we will see how it goes. Um, I think I'll do this. Anything else to add, boys? Can I ask Steve a question? Very sure. Quickly? Yeah, we're going. Steve, did you watch the game, uh, the, the uh, Italy Rush game on on BBC or RTE? Uh, RTE, I think. Is it? I was just wondering who the pundits are on RTE. So for that, or for the Italy Turkey game, it was uh, yeah, yeah. yeah it was Stephen Kelly uh, was the pundit for that game. Okay, pretty good. Very yeah. good. It's, it's interesting to see what the different lineups are. Like uh, BBC, there had Fabregas, Ferdinand, and and Shearer along with with Lineker as the host. Ah, uh, right. um, 
Yeah, it's fascinating. Because I don't know, how did um? I, I know we won't delve in this too long, but like Stephen Kelly and George Hamilton on comms were like disgusted by the linesman given the offside from the corner when you can't be offside from a corner. Um, how did did anyone like was that noticed on the BBC coverage? Because like it's such a like it's a really bad mistake to make, and I know it didn't cost Italy in the end, but like. You know, it's one of the three incidents in football where you can't be offside, and for a referee to, or an assistant referee to get so badly wrong was really embarrassing. I, I didn't notice that. I didn't. I didn't hear reference. I sort of thought the the player had actually slightly stepped onto the pitch, and I gave it for that. You know, because he was initially standing off the pitch, and then he stepped on. I was wondering if if it was sort of if he gave it for that. I'm not sure. I didn't hear it really referenced on the BBC. Yeah, no, because um, they really went into it on 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 RTE, and it was like uh, it was one of those instances where it was like you don't think about the rule because it never comes up. It's never flagged as offside, and then all of a sudden it was offside, and you're going, "Hang on, you can't be offside from a corner." Um, but yeah, and I was just wondering, was it was it was it dealt with differently or anything like that? So. No, yeah, no, but, uh, I didn't hear too much about it. But um, uh, I think the um, we were too busy trying to shoehorn stuff about England in everywhere that could that could. Yeah, find, uh, and that would happen in RT if Ireland were there. So one yeah. reason it's bad that the Republic didn't qualify because at least you actually get to enjoy proper analysis as well. So, and I I would say on RTE the the people in the studio were wearing proper shoes. Seth Fabregas and Rio Ferdinand were wearing fucking trainers. <laughs> Um, and it's absolutely despicable. Uh, like, get to sort yourselves out, lads. Ferdinand didn't even have socks on. Come on, no. we're looking well, at winkle, winkle pickers, and you can wear a fancy sock if you want. Like, spice it up, but no trainers. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that this is the um, continental breakfast. Looking at um, all of the major issues at Euro twenty twenty. Um. Yeah, I think uh, I think I'll round us up. Um, thanks very much for listening. Um, as you know by now, probably we will be doing uh, one of these pods every morning. So um, please come back, like, share everything you see, and our Patreon link is patreon.com forward slash football babble if you want to jump on there. Um, Steve, Patty, cheers! Um, I'm sure we'll be seeing you very soon. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Good luck.